You're listening to the Mobcast Network. doing the song again <laughs> we did it last week <laughs> monday monday mando mando mondays <laughs> oh wow i need to get gabe to come record a version of that that would be that would be really i'd fun. love gabe to come that, that's brilliant actually <laughs> i won't get gabe to come record one that and then we should good. have him do one for rebels <clears throat> we're just gonna figure out our, our rebel song i know or rebel yell maybe <laughs> Ooh, that's brilliant i got gooses from that Right under the old jacket. Seriously, got gooses out of that. I got gooses from that. Yeah, because I could see it working. I got you. I feel you. And then on YouTube, it'd have some really crappy photo montage that we put together on iMovie. (laughs) (laughs) Even though both of us are professional editors. Right, right, right. Yeah. And we have comic book artist people that can help us. We still fail. The worst stuff we can put out there would be great. (laughs) My future. So today we are talking about The Mandalorian Episode 3, The Sin. It's, uh, I think, currently still my favorite episode. Out of the three? Yes. <laughs> it's my favorite episode of three. Of three. Uh, I'm your Native American pop culture spirit guide, Scotty, and I'm joined by my co-host. Co-host. It's me, Drew. How's it going? I'm delightful. We have a special guest. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, it just comes up with music. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Kevin comes up with his own music. It's Kevin Laporte. Hello. How's it going? Really good. Really good. Cool. Cool. We've all... uh uh. Let me get this out of the way before we start. Is this uh, a transparency statement? No, just get, okay. let's get this out of the way. Paid product release? No. <laughs> just checking. Um, uh, Kevin's a Star Wars fan. Kevin's a dear friend of mine. We're going to talk Star Wars. We're going to talk Mandalorian. We're, we're all excited. However, there's going to be a portion of the show that we're going to talk uh, Rise of Skywalker, and there will be spoilers. So if you've not seen Rise of Skywalker, wait till you see that and then listen to this episode. Could we put maybe the sound in from the Gremlins book change? <laughs> if you hear this sound... <laughs> Spoilers I, are coming. I, 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 will, I will do that. I, I have it, actually. I, have I know. It. That's what I think is really from, the, from the last episode of uh, Cult Movie Cantino, the, the cult meeting. I have the sound, sound so I will, will pop it in there. It's such a pleasant sound as opposed to most spoilers where it's like an alarm. This is just What was the last time you'd heard that? I don't know, but immediately I had those. I remember everything. When I heard his voice, the entire thing, I was immediately back being a kid again. So if you don't know what we're talking about, we covered uh, Gremlins on um, Cult Movie Cantina. You can listen to that on the Mobcast Network, too, but the... The cult meeting episode, I have a clip of the Hardy's record. Unbelievably that you <laughs> even found it. It's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. That thing belongs in a museum. I, no, the, I, the crazy part was I found a commercial for it. And so... Oh, yeah, I heard that. That's right. Put, put yep, the commercial yep, in there, yep. too. So it was like craziness. Anyway, so Kevin's with us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, how's it going, Kevin? <laughs> Good. That's Kevin? your setup, Kevin. <laughs> gremlins. <laughs> Speaking of gremlins, Kevin has a new podcast. Uh, let us know about it. Yeah, we are running a original Southern horror podcast called Ain't No Such Thing. So every Monday we're dropping a new story written by me, narrated by Amanda Rachels. And then we have a commentary podcast later in the week each week. Rock on. That's awesome. Rock on. Uh, we'll have links to that in both uh, uh, the Facebook pages and on the story note, on the show notes for this episode. So, yay. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, how you, how, so you, have you been watching The Mandalorian? 
Every week, religiously. Because obviously, this would have been awkward. You'd be like, I don't even know what this show is about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to introduce Coming you. in totally cold <laughs> to the Mandalorian. The Mando- you, you, what? You, you say that, but with our show, Justina would have been that way. Justina would be like, I don't know what this is. That's <laughs> it's about a man and his DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, that's it. She would have combined them. And, you're, and then we all know she's, what was the name of that show? Man, uh, not Manimal. What was the other show? The computer one, where he was a robot. Dadgummit. Automan? Autoban, thank you. Hard left turn. <laughs> she would have been making Autoban references. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, what if she? What if she randomly knew Autoban of all things to know? Justina's the biggest Autoban fan I know. That show ran for two Thursdays in a row in 1982. <laughs> she wasn't because, bored yet, but she still knows it. Because Desi Arnaz Jr. had stuff to do, and he couldn't yeah. have his time running around with a robot band. The guy had a real cursor that floated in the air and followed him around. It was brilliant. You can't dodge. I mean, Autoban's the greatest thing to ever exist. Next to Manimal. I love the hell out of both of those shows. Yeah, I'm see? just going to be honest. There's four episodes between them, and all four were great. Did anyone watch the Blue Thunder TV show? Oh, I loved it. I do remember that one. Because it yeah. had Bubba Smith and another football player. I can't remember the other one. Uh, uh, Butkus, wasn't it? It was Dick Butkus. It was a Dick Butkus? Yes. Yeah. Because they had uh, Rolling Thunder. Yeah, there the, was the, the SWAT van. The SWAT van. And, <laughs> and then, then they had a spinoff of those. I think they gave them their own spinoff <laughs> show, if I'm not mistaken. Why? That show didn't do well. I don't know. It was the 80s. That's why it's Scotty. <laughs> they were all vehicle-driven shows, except for Manimal. Right. He didn't have a cool vehicle because he was a hawk. Right. Well, that's a vehicle himself. <laughs> <laughs> he could make his knuckles vibrate and turn into any animal ever. <laughs> it's so great. I've, I've never seen an episode of Manimal. Manimal. Suddenly, I feel I like we're it, on the, uh, the catacombs. <laughs> We've taken a left turn. The, the, I don't know if you've listened to the shows. The, the Mobcast Network should have just re- been renamed to the Left Turn Network. It's what yeah. we do. T- tangent in the network. It's what we do. Oh, let's dive into this. So, The Mandalorian Episode 3 was written by John Favreau and directed by Deborah Chow. It stars... Pa- Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian, Werner Herzog as the client, Omid Abitad as Dr. Pershings. Um, I neglected a couple of people from Chapter One that I'm going that are in Chapter Three that I'm going to add now. Uh, Emily Swallows as the Armorer. She was in Supernatural, Seal Team, and, and she's a voice on the Castlevania show from Netflix. Uh, Tate, Tate Fletcher uh, as Paz Vizsla, the Body. He was also the Alpha Brawler in the first episode. He's the one who's like. You spilled my drink, but in Hutties. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's wait, like, he's back in this one? Yeah, he's the, he's the guy who plays uh, the heavy Mandalorian. Pause. Oh, nice. Who is actually voiced by John Favreau? Who's my my third one? So our 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 special bounty puck of this episode is Carl Weathers. Yes. Let's talk about Carl Weathers a bit. So Carl Weathers stars as uh, Grief Cargo, which is the dumbest name I've heard. Uh, there are a lot of dumb names in Star Wars these yeah, days. We have but, to get past yeah. that to really enjoy it and yeah, just grief, accept that it's a real thing. Right. Grief Cogger is like, like, did John Favreau high five himself after that? I just think he did. I just, anyway, How is it spelled, though? G R E E F. Oh, gosh. K A R G A. Yeah. And it's when Winter Hearts said, Grief Cogger said you were. Oh, shut I know. <laughs> I know. It, is it as bad as Savage? Opress. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as on the nose as that one. Yeah, that's right. for damn sure. Yes. Are, are you a savage there, boy? <laughs> I will oppress you and make you call me that. Yeah, right. Like, that, that baby was born and was like, you're going to be savage. <laughs> that's worse than evil can evil. What are you going to name your baby, ma'am? Evil. <laughs> well, it does rhyme with it, does rhyme, Miss Knievel. So let's go write that down. How do you want to spell that? We are just stuck in the 80s, 70s, right? I don't know way. what's going on, but I love it. <laughs> All right, so Carl Weathers, uh, he's been in the first four Rockies. Predator, Action Jackson, Happy Gilmore. Action Jackson's a great movie. 
Debatable. <laughs> throw that in the catacombs. Just making you, a note. It needs to go there. Uh, Happy Gilmore. He was on the series Tour Duty. He did three, four seasons of In great the Heat of the Night. Great show. Yeah, Tour Duty was great. Michael Dudikoff. Uh, he was in the uh, four seasons of In the Heat of the Night. He was in Colony. And he's a voice on Star versus the Forces of Evil. So there's a Disney connection. He was born January 14th, 1948 in New Orleans, Louisiana. He graduated from San Diego State with a degree in theater arts. Uh, where he played football. Uh, for wow. San Diego State, he was in the NFL for a little bit. Played for the Oakland Raiders, and then he played in Canada for a little while as a linebacker. So he's nearly eighty years old. Yeah, he yeah. looks amazing right. for eighty. Sure, I mean, yeah. I mean that's like, unreal. Right. So he's like seventy-eight, seventy-nine right. at this point. Right. And doesn't have any CTE, so he's doing really good. <laughs> yeah, he's a champ. <laughs> right. So he's doing doing really. I didn't even know he was a football player. That's impressive alone. Um. Yeah, he was yeah, a pro a, level. Yeah, yeah, he was probably a pro level, both in, in for the Oakland Raiders and for um the. I didn't, couldn't find his Canadian team, but he played Canada for a little while, and then he also, you know, got through football with a theater arts degree. So that's no, it's it's, it's really awesome. He's kind of a hybrid, if you think he's a Romeo and Juliet story of two things merging. In 2016, he was introduced into the International Mustache Hall of Fame in the category of film and television. <laughs> his finest honor. <laughs> that's a fantastic. That's something we can aspire to. And and I'm just going to continue our tr- tradition from last episode. If I can find anything for this, I'm going to start adding this for our nulti multiverse stuff. So, yep. so in the multiverse, because that's what it's going to be called. So the yep. multiverse. If you didn't listen to last episode, please do. Our bounty puck char- character was, was uh, Nick. Oh, star was Nick Nulty, and we just found a whole bunch of stuff that he could have been casted in, including Superman. As Superman. As Superman. <laughs> who we wanted to play as a schizophrenic. Yeah, grumpy. Yeah. He's the grumpiest Superman you've ever seen. Only if his hair is like it is in, the, in his uh, mugshot. Um, it's totally great. And then, you know, he's supposed to be, he could have been cast in Die Hard. There's a whole list of things he could have been cast in. Um, starting with being Han Solo. He's one of the folks who got, yep. who's on the short list to be Han Solo. So in the multiverse, one of the original actors that auditioned for the part of Captain Benjamin Lafayette Cisco in Deep Space Nine was. Carl Weathers. No way. Yes. I, you know, I could have maybe done it. I could have been okay with it. I wouldn't end up bald and awesome like Captain Cisco. So. <laughs> That's true. He'd so. be a lot bossier. He that was be. Delroy Lindo? Uh, Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks, sorry. From Hawk right. from Spencer You're Hire. right. Right, which was also my jam when I was a kid. He, he just took off his shades and went to space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he grow his hair first because he he's going to show up bald. And they were like, no, no, Hawk is bald. Avery, Captain Cisco got hair. Yeah. And it took him three seasons and go, no, no, I'm Hawk. <laughs> he cuts it right back off. He's like, he introduced a goatee and then he shaved his head. And it's like, well, there, there he is. So. There we go. I met him about 10 years ago at Dragon Con. He was very lovely, but very bald and just like kind of like, I just can't wait till this is over. Yeah. <laughs> I came for my paycheck. I came for his paycheck. Yeah. Everybody is on the other side of a table at a con. We're, we've all been there. We've all, we have, I was there recently. <laughs> Let me tell you the stories of SonoCon. <laughs> I love the convention. We, we hope to be back. <laughs> the retro plug is what that is called. <laughs> All right, you ready to dive into this? Let's do it. So our mission report, which I'm now calling these. No, I like it. <laughs> That's something something different. One day we'll have like intros and stuff, maybe in season two. So the Razor Crest exits hyperspace over Nervaro, Dave. Uh, That's all I think about. <laughs> Every time. Yep. Uh, Mandalor- the Mandalorian is contacted by Grief Karga and orders him to turn the child over to the client. Karga doesn't care what he wants to do with it. The guy could totally eat it or hang it up. He don't care. Uh, during all this, the child unscrews a, and the handle off a lever and plays with the, like, the ball-shaped object. 
Mando's like, dude, not cool, not a toy. But it is adorable. Yeah, it is adorable. And and the child. It's the sounds on top of it, though, that he makes when he's doing any of that stuff that are cool. Yeah. It led to some really great memes. <laughs> oh, I mean, the, the child the child's is the greatest meme thing we've had in a while. So so happy. And then and it killed the cat lady thing, like overnight. Yep. So, Thankfully. I like the cat lady thing. Um, the man lord takes the child back to the Imperial Remanent uh, facility and they let him in. One soon-to-be-dead stormtrooper totally yanks on the child's floating um, basket. Mando warns him not to do it. Stormtrooper warns back, "Dude, you guys have a terrible track record when you know hitting things, so I don't, you know, don't want to do that." Anyway, <laughs> the client and Doctor Pershing are excited to see the child. Pershing does the whole skinny, skinny thing, and bingo, it's a good child. It's pretty healthy, so he takes the child away. Mando asks about uh, how many tracking fives the client sent out, and dude, he sent out a lot. <laughs> He had to ensure um, getting that little sucker. However, the clients totally gives him an ice cream maker full of uh, Beskar. Mando asks what they plan to do with the child, and the client reminds him that uh, the code makes sure things are forgotten, so don't ask. He's been paid. He needs to hit the bricks. Mando hits the bricks, takes his Beskar to the underground layer of the tribe with his reward. Other Mandalorians aren't too happy with him, but the armor is happy to see that the Beskar and what she can do with it. She says she can fix his armor that uh, has lost his integrity with his battle against the Mudhorn, but she warns that it will draw many eyes. Then a large Mandalorian uh, heavy infantry guy named Paz Villa uh, complains about the Beskar bar saying, hey, they were forged Imperial smelters and the Empire's fault they have to live like this and the Mendo's a coward for working with them. Then there's a little tussle, but the armor reminds them that the Empire's fallen and the Beskar has returned to the Mandalorians. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> Which gives us one of the greatest lines of the show. You, you, I mean, everybody, as soon as that dropped, you saw it everywhere. So quotable. Right? I have spoken, you saw. Yeah. This is the way seemed to be a little kept, more popular. I kept thinking, like, every episode, are we just going to get a new catchphrase? Because I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all in. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm okay with it. You so. know you're affecting the real culture when. <laughs> Think about, well, we'll, we'll no, say no, that. We, we can, no, no, yeah. well, I mean, I'll, I'll say that. That's that's really fandom. That's that's fandom-free zone material. We'll just I'll just lock it in the old. Well, we're saving fandom frames on for for discussions on Rise of Skywalker, so you might as well let it out. Now. Well, my point is, is that <laughs> you can tell the impact that the Mandalorian has actually had. The st- Star Wars is—it's not just that Star Wars is back; it's the fact that through the entire three episodes that we're discussing thus far, you've had Baby Yoda go ultra viral, right? And you've had people's entire attentions go back to Star Wars in a positive way, mostly unified. You have some outliers. That's the internet. Contrarians, but, right? Contrarians is really what it is. But even then, it's a small contingent. It's re- it really is. It's really smaller than. Normal. And they're really doing it because they want YouTube views. That's, I mean, that's what this is really about. Right. Let's be honest. Or Twitter hits, whatever. And then you know, you look at it. Look how it shifted. And then suddenly we have Mando's lining. I mean, if you think about it, if Boba Fett spun off this dadgum TV show, you have a whole room full of Mandos. That's so much background material. I'm surprised. Like. Forever, there's gonna be fanfic or actual published content forever, which is fantastic. The Mando fan clubs are just gonna be new armor everywhere now. Well, so that's it. my question: Are they gonna change? Are the Mandalorian like groups gonna change to be reflect? We're getting code now, like how to act. Are they gonna reflect that? They really have to reflect now because they have to get this best car armor instead of this plastic <laughs> stuff they've been walking around with at cons for the last twenty years. They that's gotta get <laughs> shiny and chrome. Do you think they're? <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Do they just spray paint everything? They just like, well, I gotta upgrade. <laughs> Another trip to AutoZone, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> It's gold. You know, and I'm just saying this AutoZone stock. If you're looking looking for something, I, you know, why not <laughs> You might make a little extra money. AutoZone, the official Chrome maker of, <laughs> of Mandalorians Mando Mon- everywhere. Mando Mondays. Here's our new color, Beskar. 
<laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> Somebody needs to do that. Can we do that real quick? Let's Let's get get we, if we make thing. it public, uh, <laughs> does this count as copyright? We're I, making Beskar spray paint. I don't. I'm not sure. We used to call it gunmetal. Now it's <laughs> Beskar. Yeah, totally Man, what color's your truck? Beskar. <laughs> Done. See me on Etsy in a week, boys. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh yes, the armor says that the man, the mudhorn can be a signet, but Mando is like, uh, sorry, it wasn't an honorable kill. An enemy helped me, and he's got to pass on that. Sharf's going to make him some whistling birds, and he agrees and reserves some for the families, as it should always be. As it always should be. This is the way. This is the way. This Whist- is the way. <laughs> Whistling birds are, it's almost like the spice, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> that or, it's, or it's, a, it's Catholicism of with the whole, uh, and also with you. It's also with you. <laughs> um, Whistling birds are good for defense uh, against multiple enemies, but they're rare, so use them sparingly. Uh, she forged a new chess piece for the Mandalorian. He has flashbacks of uh, Separatist forces uh, bombarding his hometown as a child. His I have parents- questions. Can, someone, can you talk to me about time? I don't understand the timeline here. Clone Wars, probably end of the Clone Wars era. Into the Clone Wars era, yeah, it's end. It's it's toward the end. So he's got. But be wasn't there a gap between? What's the gap between uh, Revenge of the Sith, Vader's birth, Order sixty six? Let's use that. All what's right. the gap between Order sixty six and a New Hope? Nineteen years, right? Eighteen, something like that. Yeah, eighteen years. Okay, and so then we the Galactic Civil War is six, six years, and this is five plus, right? So eleven. Okay, I'm just trying to calculate oh, his I, age. Yeah, late thirties, early forties. Yeah, I've, I've always thought he's around okay. that. It works. I'm trying not to show. We haven't seen Pedro's face, so I'm just I'm going with, you know, right in world. Okay. Um, uh, his parents reach a bunker and lower him inside before sealing it. The Mandalorian finds himself staring in the face of a super battle droid. The flashback ends and the chess piece is forged. At Dave Nerero's cantina, Karga berates the bounty hunter named Saucerhead because names. Who had presumably failed his mission and tells him to leave. Shortly later, the Mandalorian enters the cantina. He's all decked out in his cool-ass armor. Gargar greets him and tells the Mandalorian that everyone hates him because he's a legend. <laughs> just, he Disco it, ball. <laughs> right, just like that. When the Mandalorian asks uh, how many tracking, uh, how many of them have tracking fobs, Gargar says all of them, but none of them came clo- uh, could close the deal. Gargar congratulates him for uh, winning the richest reward in the, in the Parsec and invites him to sit down. Offers him boats and hose, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he does. He sure Twilic hose. What up? The finest hose in the galaxy. <laughs> That's, That's Twilic hose. The <laughs> finest <laughs> hose in the galaxy. Also sponsored by uh, for the Mando Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> Come down to Jabba's <laughs> Twilic hose. Uh, I guess, I mean, Jabba's dead by then, so it's going to be like... Um, what was the female? There's a female, Kroga, uh, something. The, uh, what is her name? I was trying to think of what. I've got. Just take a syllable and add an uh to the <laughs> end of it. That's fair enough. And you have a hut. It's also Gentleman Bronca's logic. <laughs> I can't remember what um, Java's son name outside of Stinky. I forgot what they called him. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Because Java's son's out there, which we'll probably never see again, but he's out there. Uh, um, the Mandalorian takes off his blaster and sits down. Karga tells him that the others are, are weighing the Beskar, but that, but that he celebrates because the Mandalorian success means that he's successful as well. He's got some Beskar too, and that'll come in later. <laughs> the Mandalorian requests for a job. That surprises Karga, who suggests that the Mandalorian take some time off to enjoy some Twi'lek hookers! <laughs> or, that are intense. <laughs> or, 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 like he puts it, Twi'lek healing baths. Oh, that's what it was, baths. Hookers! <laughs> <laughs> However, the Mandalorian insists that I ain't got no time for no hookers. (laughs) 
Uh, Carter grants his request since the bounty hunter likes to keep it busy. <laughs> he tells them uh, that, that all the targets are all away and that he can have anyone he chooses. So he um, says he's earned his pick. The Mandalorian opts for a faraway job, which turns out to be an unidentified Mon Calamari noble son. Um, I will say um, probably uh, Akbar's kid. <laughs> how cool would it be, though, if it was the kid later on? Because I don't know how Calamari age. If it's the kid later on that's in uh, <laughs> Rise, of <Skywalker. laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Which is Akbar's kid. Makes sense. Cargo remarks that the Mandalorian uh, is headed to the ocean dunes of Karnak. Before leaving, leaving the Mandalorian asks... What they're going to do with the child. Karga says, hey, I didn't ask. Don't tell. We just we just do. Mandalorian tells him that the men work for the Empire and asks what they were doing on uh, Dave Nararo. And <laughs> someone is Harvesting this, chili peppers. Right, harvesting chili peppers. Karga says that the Empire is gone and that uh, all they're left are mercenaries and warlords. Should it bother him? Karga tells that Mandalorian to go back to the Core Wars and report the matter to the New Republic. Ha, 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 hookers. However, the Mandalorian shrugs it off, saying that that's a joke. Cargo tells the Mandalorian to enjoy his rewards. Uh, go buy some spice. And he says he may have forgotten everything by the time he comes out of hyperspace. I thought he, I swore though, it sounded like to me he said, go buy some old spice. <laughs> it does sound like that, Doesn't honestly. It? And then I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> somebody needs to make that. So I could, not, right now, my two products on Etsy, you can now find in my Etsy store, Mando Mondays, is you can find some, uh, some Beskar spray paint and, and old spice deodorant, Mando approved. Mando strength. Mando That's strength. That's it. Mando strength. I'll get Terry Crews on the show. Oh, my God. Get Terry Crews on the show. <laughs> the Mandalorian boards the Razor Crest and prayers the ship for takeoff. However, he sees the little ball the child was playing with and screws it back on the lever. This and grew a conscience. <laughs> that night, three sizes. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, this causes him to grow a conscience for deciding that uh, to uh, uh, hand the child to the um, Imperial Remnant and switch off the ship's engine. He walks back to the Imperial Outpost and approaches the Green Gate. The Mandalorian walks into a nearby area where he sees a child's floating cradle dumped in a, in a skip bin. Which is real bomb because that's like one of my favorite bits of Baby Yoda is that I, I love the fact that he has that little cradle floating he, along he with him. He's an accessory for Hasbro to make. The, the Mandalorian. Brilliant. <laughs> if it's a drone, if it, it could actually float, float, I'd be so into that. That's going to happen. Next on your Etsy store. Um, oh, there we go. You're just getting a whole catalog going nah, right It's here. about to happen. The Mandalorian takes up a position on a nearby roof using his trident to listen to the targets. He hears the client telling Pershing that he doesn't care and extract the necessary material hastily. Pershing protects, protests that he uh, he was ordered to bring the asset back alive. The client tells him to hurry up so uh, he no longer can guarantee his safety. The Mandalorian bangs on the green door and is greeted by the great keeper droid. However, the Mandalorian violently rips the droid's head, causing it to short circuit. Two stormtroopers come out to investigate. One of them tells the other to check out the other perimeter. The Mandalorian plants a detonator on a nearby wall and blows a hole into the Imperial combat. Basically, lots and lots of shooty-shooty, bangy-bangy. Imperial stormtroopers are terrible, and they die. Uh, but but <clears throat> there's. can I talk about a couple of nerdy things for me? Please do. First off, it's John Wick. It's like 100% a John yeah, Wick this is, scenario. Yeah, this act, act three, and this is totally John Wick. Uh, and and it is beautiful. The other thing that's really fascinating, just from a visual storytelling standpoint, I love the fact that they're using um, flashlights to navigate through there because I know it sounds bizarre, but we haven't seen a lot of that kind of stuff. That's a little more like casual, right? And so in Star Wars, to me, that's interesting because that's a little, that's a moment, that's a a real moment 
right? It's practical. But they chose to, to break some convention here. If you notice, they're kind of a gold color. So they chose to break away. Most of the time in film, we use these bright white ones because they, they add more light to the value. To the these guys went the other direction, which makes it technically harder to do. So they actually went for production value as opposed to just the easiest way out. Right. And most people don't care, but that's the kind of stuff to me that when I see it, like this is the fourth time I've watched episode three, I, that's amazingly well done. I mean, it's a beautiful sequence. It's perfectly lit. It's just... Well, this whole episode has so much attention to visual detail. It's insane. When they first land in the city and you're following the child in his um, little carrier and you see the ship land, you see all the aliens walking by in the streets, it gives you that perspective. And there's just so much attention that Deborah Child put to that. It puts you right there in the city. It feels like uh, episode four and that you sense what Tatooine is like. You sense what this city on Dave Navarro is like. <laughs> and that was one of the things I think both of you guys being from a from a comic perspective, do you do you find did you find in the front end of this when they're setting up there's a lot from his from the child's perspective. Right? There's a, I felt like the, a, a huge chunk of the front half of this is the child's perspective. Do you find it so, so when you frame stuff off, what you guys are thinking about in panel, I mean, is that something you consider is, is forcing that perspective in in that sort of way? No, absolutely. Just... That's part of the storytelling in comics is zeroing in on what you want the reader to feel and see. And the way that she uses the child's perspective, you start to feel for him as being tiny in this large universe, this huge galaxy of giant ships because one lands right next to him when they're right. walking in the city these large aliens that are all strange and different. And he's just kind of taking it all in. He feels like he's got his protector, which makes what happens later so much worse. Yeah, when he gets absolutely. dragged into the back room and he goes, Arr. Oh, it's the saddest sound you've ever heard. <laughs> all right, sorry. We no, 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 no. Uh, another left turn for no, the no, group. No, this, is, this is the section for that. <laughs> um, Mandalorian shoots open a door, kills some more stormtroopers. He also finds Dr. Pershing. Uh, Mandalorian's about to shoot him, but Dr. Pershing pleads for his life. Mandalorian shoots uh, everyone's favorite ITO interrogation unit, a la New Hope, uh, which they should have used in Rogue One. I'll get that later. Um, instead of the, um, what are the damn mucklock, the alien that Saw used instead of. Yeah, the big that? octopus thing. Yeah. God, fucking Rogue One. <laughs> Just, I have problems. <laughs> Well, for me, anytime I hear that sound, that was the when I was growing up. I had Star Wars on VHS. Right. I was taped off TV. Right. That on in A New Hope, when the when the probe droid or whatever that droid is is coming at the it the, whoa, 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 mm. that's where the door slams and it almost immediately cut to a commercial break. So forever in my head, <laughs> every time I hear that sound, it's like oh, commercials coming. Like so. So have you ever listened to the 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 radio drama version of it's been years New since Hope. I have yeah. There's that whole sequence is in there like it interrogating Leia is like a whole like part of a chapter and it's not just wow. like I mean like it's literally tortures her and she's got some sort of Alderanian training to keep her from being you know to for to keep her mind strong but it's all like Vader gets mad because they can't break her and just they're just pumping her full of drugs and tormenting right. her and it's just like Jimmy great. Smith had her ready for that <laughs> stuff <laughs> Jimmy Smith's like no <laughs> bringing that Sons of Anarchy <laughs> cred to the right. table I was, was trying like, to work in what show it was that's brilliant <laughs> see, see I, I was going like NYPD Blue so he's like yeah I got Sipowitz here he's going to work, work with her LA Law <laughs> let's keep going back in time <laughs> let's keep going back the, the villain from Dark Man was on that show. Let's just keep. Well, Larry Drake. Drake. Larry Drake. Larry Drake. Larry Drake. Keep diverging. Larry Drake was on that. Oh, Benny. All right. 
This is also Ellie Law's the episode because we talked to Star Trek real quick. Just go right back. Ellie Law's the episode of uh, has a uh, uh, Dr. Pulaski from TNG just falls down in an elevator and yep. dies. Just off. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's like how are we gonna kill you? Oh, yep. like, YouTube that clip. That's <laughs> is that why she stopped being on TNG? <laughs> I think that's how she started on TNG. I think she got killed off Ellie Law with the TNG. I just thought that was funny. Uh, so the child is being scanned in a machine. Pershing pleads for the Mandalorian not to hurt the child. The Mandalorian instead throws him to the ground. Mandalorian asks what he did to the child. Pershing's like, I didn't do nothing. The, without me, the child would be dead. And Pershing pleads for his life, only to find that Mandalorian has totally you know, pulled a Batman on him and taken the child. The first of many episodes where he plays Batman. Facts. <laughs> so the Mandalorian takes the child into the storm. Several stormtroopers enter their flashlights. We talked about that. There's more shooty-shooties. Um, Mandalorian uses everything he's got. Every episode, he uses like every one of his weapons. It's awesome. The flamethrower. Every, <laughs> every episode, episode, somebody burns <laughs> without conscience, and it's pretty graphic <laughs> if you consider what's actually happening. happening right? Like, right. I don't know how plastic steel works, but I imagine it melts <laughs> right into the skin. And all oh, these guys buddy. are falling down, all molten and crumpled, and you know it's just all into the flesh. Well, feel bad for the Jawa in the last episode; just got it in the face. Hey, just- hey, back to ain't fixing that. I'm just telling you, back to is not making that feel better. <laughs> There's none of back to in the in the galaxy. <laughs> um, so he escapes with the child. He does use his whispering birds to knock down some guys too. That was kind of um, interesting, but not yeah, kind of uneventful. I was kind of kind of hoping they would wait on that, but they didn't. Uh, after he escapes, all the all the fobs that the other bounty hunters activate, and so they all go looking for the for Mando and the child, which turns into a total John Wick situation where they all go shooty shooty bangy bangy. Uh, Crashy, crashing some speeders. It's a great shootout, though, and it's extremely Western. It's another one of those Western motifs where suddenly you have the stagecoach scenario, shoot the horse, you get that entire vibe out of it, uh, and you build into the all is lost moment. Right, totally. Which is what you need. Totally. And um, so, uh, Grief Carger kind of tries to do some negotiation, but the only negotiation that Mandalorian says, hey, I'm just going to leave, and that's what we're going to happen. This is because I've done disintegrated three guys. I don't mind disintegrating more. There's there's a guy, there's there's a roadie in there who who the actor got up early and got into makeup and was like, all right, now now you've disintegrated. You, you're in it for two seconds. You, yep. you go, ah! And he's gone. And he'll be appearing at Comic-Con. And <laughs> 40 bucks for his signature. Yeah. <laughs> that's because he made 75 bucks for the day. He had to spend 12 hours getting in and out of makeup. It's totally facts. <laughs> so there's that. There's that. When all is lost, however, uh, the Mandalorians show up, and they start rocking the world and you know, killing more and more bounty hunters, uh, allowing the Mandalorian to escape to the Razor's Crest with the child when he's there. Oh, Grave Cargo is waiting for him, and uh, Grave Cargo is like, "You should have just waited." And they talk a minute, and then, well, Mandalorian shoots him and knocks him off his ship and leaves. Now, can I bring up uh, the the poll question here for me, which is, did Mando shoot him in the Beskar on purpose, or was it just a coincidental shot? Trying to remove what you may now or may, you know, in the future, your soothsaying skills. When you saw it, did you believe he shot him with purpose in the Beskar? Which sounds... We'll let our guests speak first. (laughs) I didn't think of it that way, but it makes sense now that you mention it, that he's protecting his future income. By not killing grief, but sending a the, message you know, to like, grief. I have a jacket with the pocket over the yep. over the heart, and he literally pulls it out and says, "Look, I got this best car right here," and puts it right back in. And I, I, I just like, believe that the Mando knew to shoot right there. Like, and if, that's you, if you're gonna shoot me later, how about hit me right over here? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And it also lets grief cargo look like a badass. 
I went after the Mando. He shot me, but I survived. And uh, you know, it uh, worked for Teddy Roosevelt too because he got an assassination attempt on him, and he got shot in the chest. Yep. Uh, and but he had a speech f- crumbled up in his in his pocket, and so that stopped the bullet. And I mean, he got wounded. What the hell did he write it on? <laughs> Lead. Pa- paper back then. Paper was badass back then. It's totally it bad. Just a tree. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was wood, just straight in. Some bear he just knocked down and just wrote it on the bear and stuck it in his pocket. Oh, Teddy F. and Roosevelt. Golden. He may and, have had Beskar. Uh, I mean, let's just be honest about it. But but not not only did he get shot in in the chest and then pocket for this thing, he also just continued the speech because Teddy M. like, no, I'm good. Yeah, he's tough, dude. It's just, He's it's, the real. He's, it's only blood. <laughs> Ain't got time to bleed. Ain't got time to bleed. Uh, Cargo survives the blaster wound, and since uh, Beskar caught the since the Beskar he showed off uh, caught the blaster bolt, the Mandalorian flies the ship into the skies, and uh, Paz Vizsla flies up next to him and salutes him before flying off. The Mandalorian remarks that he needs to get him a jetpack. Okay, do you know where that reference comes from? That's a complete send up to a, a show from the eighties. Please. Are you familiar with Captain Power and the, the Soldiers of the yes, Future? 100%. Yes, 100%. Scout, the Native American character, every time Hawk, the guy with the jetpack, would use it, he would say, got to get me one of those. <laughs> yep. Almost every no episode. No joke. That yeah. is totally from Captain Power. And and Scout, um, Hawk would fly by and salute. It is totally taken. Uh, that Favreau is must have loved that show. When love I heard it. it, I was like, got to get me one of those. That's Scout. So, I love yeah, that it. comes directly from. I that. had forgotten about that because actually I recently watched. I have the entire box set. On Do you DVD. still shoot the TV? It doesn't work. Oh, wow, it doesn't work. The, the DVDs the, they don't work on the DVDs. I tried. I have the set. <laughs> God, what a great what a great toy. It was a great show. It like it for hokey science fiction. It 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 kind of holds up. the The stories do. It's like the effects are kind of whatever. Yeah, I always put it on par in my mind with Eliminators. Oh, it's better than Eliminators, I think. Really? Yeah, it's like it's written way better than Eliminators. Yeah. Like way better. <laughs> Who did the writing on that? I can't. Stravinsky. That's right. J. Michael. J. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because Babylon Five's in it. <laughs> so Tank Ellis, the the heavy Tank Ellis, um, when they're talking about wh- how they survived the Metal Wars, he's like, "I was living in Babylon Five and so <laughs> Oh, I never knew that. Just, oh wow. Yeah. You know, again, just watched it recently. He's yeah. like. I'm like, oh, <laughs> he didn't know he was going to get a space show, so he's just <laughs> dropping whatever he can when he got it. I've done that. I know how that works. Scattershot at JMS. <laughs> so you get a career. Amen. Uh, the, after his Captain Power moment, the child is uh, seated beside him in his lap. The Mandalorian gives him the ball to play with. The ball he had unscrewed earlier, and then the Razor Crest ends into space. The end of the episode. Ooh, we get cool paintings. <laughs> yep. I, uh, it still stands. I think... Deborah Chow's, uh, out of the three that we've looked at, it you know I want Filoni's to be perfect because I'm I'm like I'm rooting for him to to be uh, the next figurehead of Star Wars in my opinion, but Deborah Chow tells the best television stories. Her action beats, her construct. I, I just think she's she's currently the best director they have. So I think I, th- I think Filoni was perfect to set the tone of the story. I, I don't disagree, I, and 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 even like. F- when it comes down to Filoni in action, all the action stuff and the, the cartoon stuff, he didn't direct. Right. So, I mean, but if you need a story-heavy episode, 
That's a I think if it's a lore driven thing. Yeah. But she is a master. I just looking at her work, just overall, even her back work mm-hmm. uh, as the director. I, I, she is a master of action stuff. She's really strong at it. And I and Tech is it Tech Fujimoto? No, what's the other what's the other director's name that did? Um, oh bother, the episode two. Rick. Rick. Yep. Uh, Fujimoto or something. Yes. Again, subtext guy. He's one of those directors that's really good at pulling the drama. If you look at the content, his base, he's good at. So you have like a lore specialist. You have so far, you have a lore specialist. You have this this subtext drama specialist, and then I think you have an action specialist, which is really cool because that's how the stories have been flowing. You know, there's action in all of them, but this was way more action heavy, almost violent. Right, it stepped away from action adventure to me to almost in the world of John Wick is violence to me, not necessarily action adventure because there's it's an invasion revenge story. Exactly. Yeah. All right, and, and it's and about it does committing not slow violence. Down. It's really solid. Yeah, it's great. I, the going back to the beginning of this, what surprised me most out of the entire episode is that he delivers the child. I was really surprised that was that happened. I when I saw that happen, I didn't expect the third act. I didn't. I figured we were going to a totally different tangent. I didn't because I thought he was going to leave. I thought he was going to leave too. I thought yeah. he's going to be like, all right, man, I'm going to go do Mandalorians. I'm going to go to my next job. This is the job, which would have been an interesting take. I'm glad they didn't do that because we all love Baby Yoda. And it's <laughs> also the story, right? <laughs> but I mean, the show. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. It's just a point of to to now the show without Baby Yoda though is not the same concept. It, it, it's about him more than the Mandalorian. It really is. The Mandalorian is servicing that story. That's right. And to keep Baby Yoda, which safe. goes back to my perspective question. I think majority of it has become slightly. I mean, they're jumping for TV, but the majority of the story is ba- is Baby Yoda's perspective on on these things, which means they're raising a very violent child that likes to burn people. <laughs> Absolutely. The force lightning from this thing is going to be ferocious. <laughs> so, how long can they keep it up? I think it's probably just for one season. I think they're going to run this story through this season. And they can't dump Baby Yoda for season two, but is it going to be about him trying to save Baby Yoda? I think it'll be a different story with Baby Yoda involved in this. Uh, but I do think they've evolved the character of the Mandalorian enough. They've developed it enough that we're going to want to see that character independent of Baby Yoda as right. well. I mean, as we're recording this episode, uh, seven dropped a couple of days ago. Yep. So we're you know we, in, in real time we've seen seven. So, and we we we're seeing where the story's going. There's one more episode this season, which you know for those who've seen seven. Um, also directed by Deborah Child. Also directed by Deborah. Seven Chow. was gold. So and again, Deborah Deborah Child. I'm telling you, after yeah. I, those two solidified it, like she. She's who I want directing the majority of the show so, so, right. when it's not lore. So seven and eight are literally a part one and part two, which we haven't had before. And we have Taika Waititi, I think, directing eight. Correct. Yes. He closes it out, which is interesting because oh, awesome. Taika can do some action, but he's all about like really comedic. Like, I mean, that guy has a skill set that's unreal. Right. So what are we about to step into <laughs> is my question. I, my fear in this is that it's going to end with an, an E.T. scenario. Where oh, yeah. Like, with take like, him home. Yeah, with like the Yoda people show up and take him home. And I'm like, I don't want that to happen. I like I like the idea of this character. Like, I like this lone wolf and cult cub thing. And but I'm like again. Would you buy in if it were if if we go into season two with the adventure of finding Baby Yoda's home? Sure, I guess if it's a 
Because that could be you. You could have a chase aspect. You could have because you could still set up. You know, episode four is like an episode of the week to me. It's right. just it's it's almost procedural, right? So it, it pays off, but it's procedural in the sense. So like episode three is not. It's still story build, right? Right. Episode two is kind of kind of procedural, but getting into it, you could have a procedural episode and still have you know again arc episodes to drive it out. Because if they did this well on eight, do you think they'll increase the count on the next next run to twelve? From a budgetary standpoint, I doubt it. Because I think the Obi Wan series is going to be six. And Deborah Chow's doing that, by the way. Which is Jam City. It's going to be amazing. If they yep. bring Maul into that and she's directing it, wow. What, what, what was she directing? I missed that. She's doing. She's, she's a showrunner for Obi Wan. Oh, showrunner. So now I've. That's what made me interested in now and maybe Obi Wan's got. Because I'm not a huge fan of where they're We've going. We've talked with about that. this in the first episode yeah. of this. We, you know, we're, maybe, no, maybe it was My Star Wars Life. I know Star Wars Life, yeah, with, with JD. With JD. We. we I'm I'm not sold on the Obi Wan story. I have a tough time with it because I don't know where it is yet. Right. I but know. I I like if Deborah Chow's in, I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch it. It's Star Wars. I've watched anything. Look, I saw the Last Jedi. I saw Attack of the Clones. Well, speaking of, let's take <laughs> us over to the Fandom <laughs> Free Zone, baby. All right, that was dramatic. The la- you well, you said the Last Jedi, and it triggered me to just remember <laughs> one very important thing. That movie has subsequently, in my mind championed itself as one of the worst films ever created because you had a tremendous budget an extremely deep fan base and culture and lore behind it and you literally (coughs) took a shit in a toilet bowl and left it it is garbage water it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life and I hate the movie and it got worse once I saw Episode nine, because they retconned everything, including Rose. We can go through the whole list if you want, because I've already prepared it in my brain for how much I hate the fact. Here, that do you have notes too? Got <laughs> no, I, I was. Ones. I don't. I didn't bring notes. <laughs> JD, I mean, um, Drew's got notes over here. That's crazy. No, it's just I've it's been playing notebook what because it was. It was. I've seen it since Wednesday, so I I got to see it early. So in my mind, I've been dwelling on this thing for a lot longer. So I, you saw it Wednesday. I saw it last night. So Thursday, you saw it today. So we saw it like Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We yeah. had like. So he's uh, so Kevin's the freshest. He's the freshest memory, though Scotty's memory is pretty impeccable. But Kevin has the freshest, technical freshest memory. So Kevin, what do you think about it? Episode nine. I loved it. Um, I thought it was as good as you could expect it to be, um, considering the the challenge of wrapping up all these plot lines and Agreed. ones that diverged wildly because of the change in directors and the different visions that obviously certain people had for it. Uh, particularly before they brought J.J. Abrams back into the mix. Uh, who was it, Colin? Um, Trevinoff, and I believe was fired. Oh, Here's I my think conspiracy. it was pretty clear he was fired. Well, no, but I mean, he was fired not because of not because of his inability. I, I think there's a much, this is my tinfoil hat moment in the Phantom Free Zone. I believe <laughs> they realized, like, you can't do a high-profile project like The Last Jedi and backtrack on it. You can do some reshoots, but you can't can it. And I think they realized they had screwed up. I really honestly believe this. So they have to stay forward. If, if you suddenly admit, hey, guys, we made a mistake. We accidentally hurt Star Wars because the... the the storylines deviated so far from The Force Awakens. Last Jedi took us in a completely different direction, which isn't a bad thing, except it didn't make sense to the rest of the arc that we had already been introduced. That the only thing they can do to, to write the course is get rid of Trevor off, bring JJ back in, because they got to have their studio guy. JJ Abrams is purely a studio guy, he follows orders, and they had to figure out a way of bringing him back. That's where I, I'm 100% in agreement. I, I just think he got canned. Colin got canned because how bad the last Jedi was received by fans. And I don't mean by the, I get the, 
Well, their desperation creates. to fix things has it's been obvious. apparent. It's super for some obvious. Time. I right. mean, uh, Kathleen Kennedy's situation been tenuous. I don't think they've been very secretive about that. They did right. re-sign her for what two years, right? Something like that. But uh, yeah, it's been very dicey. The the financial collapse of Solo and the the backfiring fandom um, regarding the Last Jedi. The the financial collapse on Solo is solely their fault too because they the the problem was they summarized it no no the the problem was they released it in may and the reason why they released it in may because they want to keep the december date open for mary poppins returns if, if solo <laughs> the, so 100 percent is true it's true they wanted mary poppins where they had a better chance of winning oscars with mary, uh, mary poppins returns so they saved the december date for that and how'd they, that work out they did. I think they, they got nominated. I don't think they won anything for the it music. It was music, but music. it was only music. Right. So <laughs> Disney gets music every year. year so yeah. it's like it's whatever. And then uh, Solo comes out in May because they're like, oh, Star Wars traditionally comes out in May, but you just put out the Last Jedi in December. So you know, six months. You need a break, and they didn't give us a break, and that's what kills Solo. Because regardless of how you feel about the Last Jedi, I don't. It's I don't. I'm not a fan of it. I don't think I hate it nearly as much as you do. I absolutely hate it. Right. I, I don't. I don't. It's not. I'll. I'll, I'll tell. I tried. The I, no. I, Wednesday night I tried to watch it again. I fell asleep during it. I just couldn't get through it. And so, I just. I love. I love. I love Kylo Ray stuff in that. Yep. I like that whole. And. But I don't care about Canto Bright. I don't care about. I just, the just, dialogue was odd. They used. If you listen, there's no vernacular. The vernacular that happens, even the 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 timber of their conversation that occurs, their voices do not sound the same when you when you look at the JJ version. That's from director's choices. Right. But like the dialogue was different. He makes a your mama joke like in space. Like I just Poe does. I just can't. My problem with the Last Jedi and what why to me Episode Nine is so important is the Last Jedi was the first time and it and no it sounds strange but it's a personal thing I'm deeply connected to Star Wars on a lot of levels it shaped my career I'm a filmmaker it came from that I saw it with my parents it means a lot to me it's the only time me and my parents ever agreed on anything it's it's a big deal I have friendships based on it I have never in my life sat watching Star Wars even cartoons and thought. God, I'm embarrassed to be a fan. That movie literally made me realize it's like I suddenly was no longer Peter Pan. I suddenly grew into Hook or whatever the old the old Peter Pan. I was Robin, old Robin Williams, and I realized in that moment, like, oh, I have to grow up. I can't be this person. Can't have a bang ring. It, yeah, I can't have a bang ring. It literally killed it for me, <laughs> and it hurts so bad. That's where my reaction comes. It hurt. That was a physical pain. I've never walked out of a movie, but that one was the one, and it just from that point was, it was brutal. For the record, Spawn and uh, Forrest Gump, movies that I've walked out on. Wow, impressive. <laughs> Spawn, I understand. Forrest Gump, I'm curious. I love the book. It's not the book. Got it. It's not the book. Yeah, I never the, read the book. The I book don't is, read. <laughs> Words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> War Eagle. Okay, so, so back to you, Kevin, because this is how we do. So you, right. you enjoyed it. Oh, he's been on our shows before. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Um, I thought they got back to some of the basics from for Star Wars. 3PO was funny again. Yep. And not just Jar Jar goofy and distracting, which he was in the last two movies. He was relevant funny. Relevant funny. He had a function. Yep. Uh, on more than once in the movie. I liked that. I forgot how much I liked 3PO's voice in the story and people getting irritated with him for reasons that matter, for reasons that harken back. Um I, I thought there was just a lot of character play. I love that that I liked. I liked the arcs. It seemed like every character had an arc. These three characters finally have chemistry together. 
Well, because um, they're finally on screen together. This that's a good point. I mean, my um, God, besides man. the last two minutes of uh, the Last <laughs> Jedi, it's like I'm Poe, I'm Ray. All right, bye. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, it 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 held a lot for me. It was very emotional. There was the surprise appearances really pulled a lot out emotionally. Uh, when Han shows up, I mean, oh. I, I kind of thought it might happen, but with Harrison's attitude toward the movies, maybe not. And, and maybe that's something they filmed when they filmed the, uh, the force awakens i don't know but just uh, but it was line for line almost exactly the same dialogue which i thought was beautiful i i, I mean too. to me that is gorgeous story that's almost macbeth era he, that's like it, he even offered him the lightsaber in the same way it is it's, it's beautiful i, 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 I mean that's that. beautiful so, i don't think it's and i could be wrong but i don't think it's the same foot because he's his hair's whiter i mean he looks different but but he's telling him the same thing in a different right, right, way. Right, exactly. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know, maybe it's, it's, he does look older. He, he looks older. Look, I mean, you can see it. Like his beard was a little bit different and yeah, all that. Was, um, so I, was, I bought it. Uh, I was watching it with a friend of mine, a coworker, and he just lost his mind when he saw Han because he's like, "Now he's a Jedi. He's coming back." I'm like, "Calm down." No, <laughs> he ain't Force Ghost, bro. <laughs> he's not a Force Ghost. He's, he's not clear. I had another guy I'd explain <laughs> it to. He's like, "If they're not clear, then they're just a figment of one's <laughs> imagination." It happens. What about the so for me? I, I'll be honest. I because of Last Jedi, I, I was and I haven't. I read all the spoilers. I knew what was going prior to seeing it, I, or whatever was on Doomcock or whatever that guy's name is on the internet. All those a holes because I find it fascinating. Why like that culture is amazing to me that they're they're so angry and so hateful. Anyway, through that process, I knew. But there was stuff in there that even though I knew it didn't matter. The context in which it was displayed was beautiful and worked for me. The biggest one being I didn't know the biggest surprise Han I didn't know about. I don't think that was ever in the spoilers that I came across. Red 5 was my jam. When I saw that happen, and that was like, again, me flipping off personally, like Ryan, (laughs) that was like, oh, you sank Luke's ship? No, you didn't. I think the biggest finger to Ryan Johnson, though, was when Luke caught the lightsaber and said, you need to treat this weapon with more respect or something. hundred percent. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That was basically like, hey, suck it, Ryan Johnson. Well, I mean, and then it goes back to the Rose thing. Like, the Rose thing is like, hey, Rose, you coming with us? No, nah, I got to do some space errands. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are we? I mean, that's how, that's where it went. The only issues, I do have a lot of issues with the film, but I can look past them because of, of love, right? I can't look past how poorly the front half of the movie is edited to me. It, it is the choppiest, narratively speaking. It's kind of like, jumping it's like one page would be a panel a sequence panel that makes sense and the next page is something completely different and we're supposed to kind of find the correlation so i i think the biggest mistake for that was announcing that uh the this uh fleet this mysterious fleet's going to attack in 16 hours yeah i'm like you're in space don't do that yeah (laughs) don't just say they're coming soon we've got we've got we got the 16 hours because because you're jumping like 12 planets and like i don't know how time works i don't know what's going on it's night over here day over here and we still got four hours left what they're magic star destroyers Uh, scotty they are magic star magic star Star destroyers Destroyers. 16 hours i was like they're all micro death stars just remember this yes and there's some i mean like (laughs) that's a little cheese right that's lots of questions i hope you like nachos because it's a little cheesy like that it, it is but from Dark Empire, I mean, just, but if they would like the end of the, this plot is basically Dark Empire, the, the Black Fleet from the Thrawn trilogy, right? Yeah, but all the all the all the starter stories with the weapons are, they're um, the Dark Empire started that because the, the, yep. the, the Super Star Destroyer hat, not Super, the, whatever the, the Eclipse class. There we go. The yes, Eclipse yep, ha, has the Death Star weapons on it. That was the big deal about it. Do you think though that originally? Uh, the story would have played differently if it would have been Snoke in that seat. I think it still works, and I think I, I know you're not a big Snoke fan, but I, I think it because still works. Because he looks works. like a goddamn golden girl. 
He looks he's like he's bathroom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> My villain does not need a look. Thank you for being a fiend. Like, I, I, I love the Golden Girls. I didn't know. This Let's is, just be honest. It was Hugh Hefner. Oh, <laughs> he was brilliant. <laughs> he, he was he's, zombie he's, Hugh Hefner. Oh, look at him. He's he's sitting up there, cross legged, no shoes on, just oh, wearing just, a smoking just, jacket, oh, gold as hell, oh. sitting up there, just telling everybody what. But to you do. only saw him like that in what yeah. movie? Uh, Ryan Johnson. I see. I'm telling you, he ruined <laughs> Star Wars. It's not hard for me to say this. He's the guy that to blame. Like you can blame him. The biggest, actually, you can't blame him. Who you got to blame? And this is the true. Phantom Free Zone. Uh, years ago, we talked about this briefly on the phone. I don't know if you've seen, there's a documentary that came out years ago called George, uh, The People versus George Lucas because so many people were mad about the prequels. that they, mockumentary. Yeah, that they literally put George Lucas on trial to prove <laughs> the fact that these movies are so bad you ruined Star Wars. Where are we now? So George goes, hey, you guys hate my movies. You hate everything I've done. You don't respect it. You, you like the originals and you hate the prequels. That's fine. So then fast forward, he sells it. Why wouldn't you? A billion dollars or what? Four billion. Four billion. Right. Four billion dollars. That he doesn't keep because he, he gave it away. Because <laughs> he's a good person. Uh, no, right? but also dick move. is like, oh, whatever. I don't even need this money here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he gives it away. So George, there you go. And so now here we are. He sold it because no one cared. And now all of a sudden everybody cares. That's where I've got to say frack the fandom menace group that's a load of garbage water those people are just doing that to get attention and make money and it's garbage they're the same reason this happened the same people complaining about it, the reason it happened to begin with and now we're stuck with disney making these jumps but they care enough because look at the mando so they cared enough about that and i think they're going to care enough about obi-wan kenobi i think they're going to care about other products they just can't change anything. The bigger issue is Disney screwed up on one fundamental thing that has not changed. They had no story from the beginning to the end. We had a trilogy in which uh, right now, if we each read a phrase, we would all have a different context. Or it's like basically playing the telephone game where I whisper something in Kevin's ear and Kevin whisper. That's how the story of Star Wars got transferred down. Right, right. I mean, there's three of us. We could have each wrote a script, but at least we're in the same room going, okay, what's our overall theme here? We would have at least asked. You're right. <laughs> but instead you leave the third guy, who's also the first guy, to clean up what the second guy did. Because they had no faith in having an outside director anymore, which is my point about Colin getting fired. Like, Ryan screwed it up well, so bad, well, they're like, well, we but, can't do but, that. But you also, you had... Not just with Ryan Johnson, you also had the stuff with Lord Miller. Too. Same problem. Same, but no, but so they were already burned twice on this, and so yep. they, they, they had to. And honestly, Gareth Edwards too, because remember they had to get someone. He had all kinds of problems. They, they had to get because they they wanted a war film for Rogue One. Yeah, and that, and that's and he, I think Gareth gave it to him. No, gave it. Yeah, I would love to see Gareth's cut of this. I bet it's dark as hell because that's what he makes. Plus, he had the, I can't remember the guy's name. The cinematographer Saving Private Ryan is the cinematographer on Rogue One. Yeah, Kaminsky, <laughs> yeah, Kaminsky. Right, right, and so they're like, yeah, I make war movies. We're gonna make this a war, and it's like supposed to be like this gritty. And then, like, then they saw it. They were like, oh wait, we gotta sell toys, and yeah. they couldn't sell toys. Yeah. No, but that's part of the. That's what I'm saying, though, is that they they it's it's not just they've been burned, but it's so high profile you can't backtrack from like the fact that. Like Solo, if it was that bad in any other movie, if it wasn't a Star Wars related property or something that large, you could scrap it. And there's been big movies like that have been scrapped before. You can't scrap Star Wars, though. It's too big of a fan base. So you have to roll forward. So you bring in Ron Howard and you salvage it. I like Solo. It doesn't bother me. I love it. It's I think my, it's, a good, it's, it's my favorite of the Disney era. Yeah, it's it's a solid movie. I have no issue because with it. Because it's fun. I didn't have that much of an issue with TFA except for it's a reboot. But, but the issue I do have is there was no through line. We have no through line through Star Wars for the first time ever. We have no idea where it's going. And that's just a complaining. Maybe we should right. focus on the positive parts. No, we're going to talk about any of it. Um, uh, I, I agree. I liked, I liked um, Rise of Skywalker. 
Um, I loved all the Star Wars stuff. And my only problems with it are fundamental story stuff. I think I think JJ had a moment like a lot of us. We've both written stuff, and we've written stuff that's been published. And then later on, you kind of want to revisit something, and then you have a better idea. The better idea, the better story in this whole thing is Good Finding point. Palpatine. Is yep. the better story than Finding Luke. That you have two. Uh, you have two factions looking for this message, and and this is a story. This a is a real quest. A real quest. Think, think about this is my pitch. If I could repitch, right? We have Force Awakens. I don't mind it so much because it does introduce characters in the right way to me. It's not perfect, but my kids understood but, it. But but take 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 the same story, but yeah. remove the. We got to go find Luke, right? And make and it make Palpatine. It, this message, this mysterious message, is so you through. don't know who it is yet, right? You don't even know who. Second it is. episode is now them on... It's an adventure movie. It's them on a quest movie the entire time. It's what we got the front half of this right, right. episode they're, nine. They're looking for this dagger. They find the dagger. The big reveal, the cliffhanger, the, the thing that puts the weight on the end is it's Palpatine. Right. Oh my God, it's got Palpatine. two years to think about it. Right. And you're dwelling on it. Now you take us in and yeah. the last half of the movie is Ray, who's fully trained. It's the Luke story all over again. That's all they're doing anyway. Right, so let's do it right. So Oh, it would have been gold. And that's what I think it might have been until they decided to get cutesy and let these out. I seriously think that's what... I just don't think it would have been Palpatine, maybe. They said that, but I think it would have been Snoke the whole time that was running that situation. Maybe so. I think it works better with Palpatine. I I like... I like you know, I... I, I When they revealed it, I didn't know, because I didn't... I stayed away from spoilers. I, I saw the two trailers, and I didn't watch anything. I've been really good about this. And I run a, you know, a website where I post stuff about this stuff. <laughs> right. And it's hard not to, like, I'll just post and share, but I don't read anything. And so I wanted to walk in. And I went in pretty blind in this. And when I first heard that, well, it, you know, first saw at the beginning, it's Palpatine. You're like, oh, okay, where is this going? Yep. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm I bought into it. Quickly after, well, since they dropped it right in the first scene right, in the movie, right. which I really appreciate. Right, they gave and that sequence. I'm sorry, that Kylo Ren thing. I'm all the voices. I, again, I thought that was beautiful. So badass. It's so good. And, and it's a, and I, we were talking about this when we talked about it last night. But I thought it was a, a bold choice. To, I mean, they you started the mo, move, you know, open crawl, your first space shot. But the next thing you got is a montage. Yeah, yeah. it's a you know, a montage of Kylo Ren doing Kylo Ren stuff, and it's awesome. Also, I don't, I don't care. Um, a lot about a lot of this kind of minutia, but Jesus Christ, it's not a it's not a Sith wayfinder. Just call it a holocron. Yeah, no, no kidding. It's I know a, it's a holo. It looked like it a holocron. We're finally going to put a holocron in the movie. We're going to call it a wayfinder. No, we're not. No, Jesus Christ, Filoni's no. just screaming, knocking wolves off with his hat, and just, <laughs> just we, we put them in rebels. Is, is anybody current on the Star Wars comics? I'm not you. Mm. So somebody told me that in an issue that came out, I guess one of the early later issues right before nine dropped, it confirms that Palpatine created either Anakin or his son. Like it talks about him being doing play just Montechlorian. I hate that crap, but it's real. The thing that's fascinating to me is if that is true and let's say Palpatine created his child, right? His, his boy or his daughter. We don't know which kid. The, the son. Uh, the son. He created the son. He Thank makes, you. Uh, the daughter of Vader, the son of Palpatine. Yeah, so he yeah. literally made both of those. So he made uh, Anakin, right? And then he made, essentially made this other son. Didn't work out. Now he's got Rey. He's the grandfather of them both, which I think is even more fascinating uh, and it, slightly incestuous. It added a lot of gravitas to the last scene. It does, well, where right? Where he's... I'm your only family. <laughs> yeah. And that whole thing. Ian, Ian McDermott's so good in it, too. He Just, really is. It was, I, I mean, I, even like, I mean, 
I mean, blind and crazy looking, but he looked like he looked a lot younger and smoother. He was the doctor from Hellraiser Two. <laughs> yes, he yeah, was. There you go. He was on that big arm, like <laughs> right. moving him around. Oh, no. Okay, so that big arm thing reminded me of Angeli- um, um, Angelica Houston and the Captain EO bit. Oh yeah, is it, is it when she's the Borg queen for Michael Jackson? Yeah, that's all I could think about. I was like, oh, they're gonna save the day with dance. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, who were the who would you qual- qualify? Are all the people? Are there? Are, are they? Some level of Sith, or those are the people that work for him. Is that his devotees? I'm watching the Watchmen. Is that the same Butler and and I, woman all over again? I I don't know where the I have. There's a lot of people to f- crew all that stuff, like like planets full, right? There's a lot of ships, right? And there's like no one's talking about like the well, where's the planet? Where's the population of? Where's Bob? Oh, he got a new job. Where? I don't know. He's good. <laughs> well, but he got taken. He, they're all taking children, apparently. He got some good benefits. And then, the, and then the resistance is just like, hey, you know what? I know they're taking children. We're not going to save them. Just blow them up. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my issues with it. Like, if you think about it too hard, it's kind of like, oh, the resistance is douchebags, too. They, they didn't bother to try and save any of these brainwashed children. <laughs> not their job. And where were the other children? Because they were still recruiting children. It's not like they stopped. So somewhere the resistance killed children. Let's be honest. The, the rest of the children are sweeping up in Canto Bite. Yeah, there you go. Good point. <laughs> using the force. Okay, the that, makes, that makes The Last Jedi okay for me. Then. <laughs> See, I just connected it all. You just... <laughs> It's a full circle, baby. They're staying on using their force on powers this to day, sweep. At this time of approximately 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, things I liked. Um, jar of Snokes. Did you like the I jar liked of Snokes? I liked the Jar of Snokes. Snokes was good. Jar, jar of Snokes. I was like, oh, look, Snoke in a jar. You have a, I was like, oh, he's got a spare Snoke. <laughs> Two or three of them. <laughs> right, and a few Snokes he needed. Um, I wholeheartedly agree about three. Would you say a pack of Snokes? <laughs> I was about to get it. Uh, it's a dad joke city, baby. <laughs> pack of um, I, I wholeheartedly agree about three PO. Three PO's who has not ever been one of my favorite characters, and because he's annoying, but he's beautifully annoying in this. He also gives us the the Bobo Fink thing, and that's my new Bobo Bobo Frick or whatever Bobo Frick is, like, is the greatest little dude. <laughs> I mean, salacious, to me, he's like the Salacious C. Crumb. We got we got one right. He's like just, we haven't had Salacious C except for roasted in a spit <laughs> in, in Mando. <laughs> But it's nice to have that kind of character again. He's just kind of laid back and like, well, whatever. He's the <laughs> best. I'm just going to make it. He reminds me of one of the critters. He's got giant hands. He's adorable. He reminds me of one of the critters in Fly the Navigator. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I was so happy that he survived. I was like, yay, this is great. Well, he pops up and is like, hey. <laughs> it's so good. So like, me and Felicity are here. We're all good. <laughs> I liked her character. I loved her character, too. I wish there was more of her. I don't. Yeah. Well, they're setting that up, clearly, for her and Poe. I mean, sure. I'll take it. She's I'll got take star it. power. You know, they're clearly going to branch off Poe and do some stuff. I'll do, take I, it. I watch a Poe movie all day long. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, he's the new Han Solo. I mean, literally down to spice running. It's like, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't like his character until this movie, though. He was just kind of a whiny, annoying. They didn't use him until this movie, and, really. Right. And, but when he's with the other characters, particularly with Finn, their kind of interplay is funny. Oh, I love right, it. It was great. Very, very, there's a lot of oh, chemistry there. I, I love the whole bit about the Falcon on fire. And oh, I laughed Ra- so hard. Uh, I was so happy with, with that. Arguing with Ray about BB-8, and he's like, well, BB-8 starts to have the Falcon is on fire! Yeah. <laughs> or when they're teaming up against Chewie for Dejaric. Right. And Chewie is still an asshole when it comes to Dejaric. It's so perfect. <laughs> it's good. It's so great. It's, it's like, of course, it's like, you're, of course you're better. You're 250 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But see, there's that's all inside baseball. That's the bigger thing to me. Critics don't know this stuff. Right. They, don't ca- they don't care about this stuff. Right. And people misunderstand what fan service... I don't care about fan service. I'm going to see Star Wars because I am a fan of Star Wars. Right. Service me. How Please. is it? Yes. Well, what's clear is that there's been some sort of mandate at Disney to get back to the basics of Star Wars. You see it in the Mandalorian with the Jawa episode. Yep. 
you see it in this movie. There's Jawas. There's Dejaric. You just go down the list. Three POs back to normal. Yep. The jokes are there. The cutesy characters are there, from Baby Yoda to the the droid surgeon. Yep. And in this movie, and, and then and Dio, the new the new droid. I love Dio. I thought he was great. I didn't think I was going to like Davis. him, but I, I I ended up liking Dio. I, I, just, I just I just think he's all the abused fans. Don't, no, thank you. Don't, no, don't, no, don't thank you. you. No, no thank, thank you. you. <laughs> don't touch yeah. me. I'm a, please don't hurt me. I just I just like Star Wars. I want back up now. <laughs> now exactly. my my That's favorite a good point. my favorite stat is actually really a, a kind of another middle finger. If you think about it, this movie is secretly full of middle finger. My favorite bit of this, and I think we disagree, is I'm a humongous fan of the ending. I love, I think it's the most beautiful Star Wars ending of all to me. Agreed. Is that sequence of him bearing those two, or she, of Ray bearing those two lightsabers, what it means, what it represents, why it's on Tatooine. Because that was one of the spoilers. I don't know if you saw on the riffraff. You might not read the spoiler, but these pe- these individuals that got these spoilers, it said that Ray says I'm I'm Ray Skywalker. They all read the context like I was like, "Hey, Ray Skywalker, nice to meet you." <laughs> Instead of it being like the the subtext of everything that occurred, there is purpose and meaning for her being the there. Are there. It's perfect, yeah. and she has no family. So at the end of the day. The only thing she has the adopted family that embraced her, which I feel like is Star Wars, and some people don't, but to me, that's the symbolism of I embrace her. She's part of my family, too. I don't care. She's with me. So I, to me, it was a beautiful thing. Well, adoption is a subtext of Star Wars. Anyway, look at Leia. Leia's yep. adopted Organa. Yep. Luke is adopted the, the Lars. They're it's, all. It's family of choice. Family of choice, right. That's it. And, and, and so that's a big deal. Or family thing. necessity, really, than family of birth. So. But again, that's overlooked and often just used as a weapon. It's so, weaponized. I. Am okay with the ending. It's not what I would have done. Um, it it's while it's her story, that ending's not hers. Would have worked really better with Kylo. My problem, my problem with Star Wars is, um, and in both cases of Kylo and Vader, is that Star, Star Wars feels the need of redeeming characters, but only redeeming them in death. And so I was really happy of seeing Kylo redeemed, and then he dies, and I was like, there's not much redemption here. Yeah, but one of the things they've been doing in all these movies is paralleling the original trilogy, and <laughs> or rewriting it. Like, well, that's what JJ does. He did it with Star Trek. He did it with <laughs> oh, this. My I mean, that's just his deal. After, after the that's after, why I say he's a studio guy. Oh, after the after hanging out with friends after we watched the uh, last night, the first thing you know, one of the first things we said it was like JJ writing this was like the first two acts is like <laughs> I got this, I got this, and he's like I'm stuck on the third act, and the other guy comes and goes, what, "Have you seen Return of the Jedi?" <laughs> yeah. Well, hey guys, check out this VHS copy of Return of the Jedi I found. He's like, pop it in. Right. Or, or it's that situation where it's like, hey, can I cheat off your homework yet? Just make it look a little different. <laughs> How many words does it take to make it plagiarism? <laughs> if you already own it, it's not plagiarism. Because you brought this up too, and I want to, I want to bring this up to you. One of your problems with the, with the entire sequel trilogy was there's no space battles. I hate the fact that there's no space battles. It's really a bummer to me. That's a major issue. There's none. The, the, we get a great one in Rogue One. Lovely. There's no other space battles. Everything else is orbit. There's chase scenes, and the worst would be last Jedi. There's chase scenes throughout it, but there's no real space battle. There's nothing. We have orbit battles, and it for whatever reason for me it makes a difference. There's something about seeing those ships and laser blasts on the dark sky that ju- you know or space that makes me happy. I like the bomber scene in Last Jedi, um, but that's you're right. That's about as close as we get to a real space battle. And, until and it's the, one-sided. Right. Yeah. There is no Yavin. There is no definitely no indoor. And yeah. so there's no stakes. So what we miss that I think the one thing we're missing is the stakes of that space scenario. Now, 
in the Return of the Jedi moment, he you get the exact same. Oh, yeah, look, at, look at your friends. Yeah, look, hold on. Let me get my skylight up so we can do this movie. All right, there's a skylight there. See all your <laughs> friends? Totally dead. Yeah. Like, it's going to take 20 minutes, but don't strike me down yet. I've but, got a thing to do. But it was really cool when he used <laughs> the Force Lightning to attack the ships. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when they tie those two battles together, because they have the three you know, um, different fronts of the battle like they always do in these scenarios. Right. But to have Palpatine cross that barrier and attack the ships. I and I like the three fronts. I mean, it's straight Jedi. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Shield generator. Uh, navigator. Jedi, yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the other part of the lightning, though, that... that uh, I like the fact that it didn't just blow up stuff. It just basically was like ionizing it, yeah. which is you know getting really tech nerdy here. But Got like an EMP up there, it was it was because if it would have blown up stuff, that's dumb. Like then all of a sudden it's like oh here we go all over again. Like, <laughs> but back to my point, I this movie is the first movie that made me like Kylo Ren. Really, I really like Kylo Ren. Like I like this. I like the arc. You know, he's like trend, uh, Ben Solo. They don't even care about the spoiler. They, it's trending all over Twitter. Right, and, and Ben Solo is trending. I, I liked it, and I liked like him coming to say. I liked all that stuff, and then it's like, I, I, I the kiss. I was like, oh, okay. Before, I could have done without it. No, I was like, oh, poor Finn. I was like, really bad. Felt bad for Ben. <laughs> I was like, all right, at least you got Poe. <laughs> and, and the question, I think we all know what the question is. Or what he has to tell her. Right, he's in love with her. And so I don't think you have to say it. And it's been evident since The Force Awakens. Right, right. Yeah, you got a boyfriend? Right, you got a boyfriend, the whole thing. And so, but, so the kiss, and then he force goes out, I guess that's what he's doing. I was really expecting to see him at the end of that, but it didn't. And well, when he was talking to Rose... And you expect because she kissed him at the end of Last Jedi, and he just like t- pats her on the shoulder. Is like, get out of here. Yeah. And then, you, oh, you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, then, then bye, bye, Ryan. So I, like, I really Rose is Ryan. <laughs> I, I felt, I felt bad again. I, first, I, I saw them kiss, and I said, "Oh, poor, poor, poor Finn." Because then I was like, "Well, they did give him a stormtrooper girlfriend." And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean they. I, I can't She's can black I, in a stormtrooper They should totally hook up That's what I was Lando about. I, took her at the end though Let's just be honest right, about so, it so, <laughs> so how did you interpret that? No, my, my, I interpreted I it I, I interpreted it correctly Like he was macking on her But he's like No I'm glad they didn't make it his daughter I was like It would have been weird But he still would have hit that why, why don't we go find it? <laughs> that's like It's planet code for his penis Like <laughs> Yes Apparently I, I will. I, I will also say, uh, I being a Lando fan, I loved seeing Billy D. Williams in this. I love Billy D. Williams Absolutely. when he shows up in the yellow. I yelled. And I was like, because I was in an empty theater, so I could do whatever I want. I yelled. I was <laughs> like, like, yeah, boy, give Leia my love. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Like he slipped one to her at some point. <laughs> you know he did, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lando. Um, I mean, Honold, buddy. <laughs> I got a question. But he starts out. He totally shoots a dude with a crossbow. Just in the eye. Because uh, yeah. I'm Lando. And he was in. And he was in a. And what reminded me? It was reminiscent to me of. Uh, I forgot his character name. What's his Tim name? Screege. Thank you. And it, re- it was reminiscent to right? me of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so great. I, I absolutely, I, I dug it. I, I, I love that. On the flip side, what I didn't dig, and this is, I wish. Lucasfilm was brave enough to let Carrie Fisher go. Yeah. And they're not. And so what we get was this final performance was n- which wasn't good because it's all unused footage from Force Awakens. It's Force, you can feel it. Yeah, you can f- and so none of it makes sense and it looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> it looks all awkward. Well, they clearly green screened a lot of that. Or they wrote it. They had to wrote it. They had to wrote that. So by hand they had to cut well, that out. Uh, also, yeah, also, that's crazy. Also, why the planet look look like it does? Because it's the same planet from the first because because we can't 
Oh, we have to match up the scenes. I mean, yep. that's why the setting looks the way. Yep. We need a Yavin Ford tie-in. Yep. Oh, they were left with a real writing dilemma. I mean, I, I'm not sure how else they could have handled that. Oh, I, we solved it in, in Last Jedi. They just didn't do, do it. And she should have died. She should have died. She should, yeah. But then she couldn't Superman through space. God, what a terrible scene. Don't, I have PTSD. Oh. For, I'm not making light of it, but like that, that scene really like set me off in the theater. It, it's, and it's, I screamed Mary Poppins. I couldn't help it. It, it wasn't... It's 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 a bad idea, but it's like executed like poor After Effects. I've said oh, this it's really it's straight. It's like it's like when they they drop the curve on the line, right? And they didn't they, add a curve. Right. There's no easy ease. It just goes just, right, right, exactly. in a straight it's like, line. It's like one one keynote right here, one one keyframe there. We're going to the left. Now the catch is though is that by them establishing her training and doing all that and this, it it fixes that and says, yeah. okay, it makes sense why suddenly you didn't know Leia had these powers, so, which I know you're not a fan of, but I love that sequence. <sighs> I loved it. That's one of my favorite right. things. And Luke's face is clearly his face from. It looked to me like the face that get, when um on Endor, uh, I'm Dagobah. sorry, Dagobah, when it gets blown open, it's the same. It's mm-hmm. the it's the. I loved it. It was great. It worked. And when she called her master, you know, I loved that too. Yes. I loved it, and it fixed things for me. The funniest thing is, I've seen people now, people who were calling her a Mary Sue, coming back and saying, "Oh, well, I, I liked it. I get it now." It's like, "Oh, so what? You just needed a training montage? Literally, this entire problem with Star Wars could have been fixed with a you just training put in that montage." Song from the Karate Kid, <laughs> "You're the best around." <laughs> oh my God! Can we please do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen with that in the Kylo scene to begin the movie. Oh my so, God! Put an eye of the tiger on that. One. But I, <laughs> oh my God! But, but, I, but, I, get, but I get it though because we get a training montage scene with Luke, and so and then in their eyes, you need you, to be a Jedi. You need one, All right? I don't agree with Obi Wan didn't. didn't. Anakin didn't. So Anakin never had one. But those movies are terrible. So <laughs> that's well, why they didn't. Fair have enough. It. I, I think guess that's I their think, argument. I, I Leia just. You could still had Leia's Mary Poppins moment in Last Jedi. She just, she had. There's a chance for her to have an honorable, awesome death, and we're robbed of that because she gives her heart to Ben Solo. Well, I guess whatever. I don't know what she really did. She just went and laid down and died. Yeah, and Ben's was, like, she's like Ben. What? <laughs> I took it. Stabby stab. She projected herself to him, and I think she, to me, she conjured that image of Han for him, and the two of them together boosted him. In addition to Ray healing him, and that's what that's what out. popped him. That's what turned him. Something I I need to see it again because it's not super fr- like it, it was a little jarring. That was one of the cut points where it was a little jarring to me because you see her pass and you're like, why is he trained? Han did it for me easily. Like the Han sequence, I got it. I related to it. Like as a as a kid who's had tough times with his dad, like I'm projected into that character. I understand and both sides of the line now. And so I connected, but the, the, I just didn't know why she vanished. I was like, wait, why? She didn't vanish until he vanished. And so my thinking was she was with him the entire time, bolstering oh, carrying him with to keep him, okay. him from turning back. Because he was so weak. He yeah. kept turning back to the dark. Oh, so maybe she was point. giving her life force to him, essentially. That was my understanding of it. Fascinating. Too bad, too bad Maz Kanata couldn't explain that like she explained everything else. Hi, Maz Kanata. I'm here to explain things. <laughs> Like, why was she even in this movie? Pray, I love Maz Kanata, and they she's waste, anus eyes. I don't care. She, I love Maz Kanata, and I thought she was great. Great in Force Awakens. They wasted her in Last Jedi, and they kind of waste her here. It's like she's an Oscar winner. Come on, just no, no. I mean, I, I, her character should have been used. It yeah, should one hundred percent. Just let me. Oh, just, did you have any fan? Like, so this is my favorite thing. Did you have fan theories? Are you willing to admit them prior to going in? Did you have any fan theories on who Ray's lineage was prior to going in? I really thought they were going to cop out and make her Han and Leia's kid. I uh, thought, oh, that would have been interesting. Well, well, that was kind of the the way I, it was leaning. Watch Force Awakens again. I'm yeah. serious. Watch it again and watch their interaction. It's really interesting. Like, 
the the Han and Ray is like they're twins. Yeah, they're, it's very it's um mirroring. It's a very mirroring performance. And he's very protective of her, and, but she does stuff her. like you watch yeah. her her hands move like it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if that was original arc. Maybe it got shifted. I had the same thought, but I had heard the Palpatine theory, of course, after Force Awakens, and it made sense. But the way they brought him back into it, it was so perfect to align it that way. It set up the quest. It set up the whole opposition with the last Skywalker, which has been, you know, and so forth. It was it was really brilliantly executed in the end that way. Did you have one? No, I know. I, I again went in blind. I just I was like two things I want to know. I want to raise lineage, and I want to know where the fuck that lightsaber came from. So for me, it was we got, I, I got one answer. I I honestly be, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I had read the one piece that the op- original opening of TFA was the Luke's hand on the lightsaber flying through space. No. That would I don't be know amazing. If it, right? That was the beginning. So and in Maz my just mind, catches it out yeah, of a shit like exactly. snatch. In my <laughs> mind, that so whoever had his lightsaber, because Ray gets it, they used that lightsaber, they used DNA from Luke, and Ray was going to be a clone of Luke. That was honest to she God. She's going to be a Luke. a Luke. Yep. <laughs> Luke. Luke. From Timothy's on. Luke. Luke. Keep adding his vowels. Luke. Why didn't they just put an umlaut? What's the and what was the Santa Claus guy in that? The the other Jedi? Joris Abath. Yeah, I could never say it. I was always Sea Bath. Sea Bass. Sea Bass. Kick his ass, Sea Bass. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, I, I I just want to fanboy out for just a second. Um, so you you squealed when you saw um Lando and Han, right? Can you know? Do you know where I squealed? Wedge voices. Yeah, when I heard Kanan Jarrus, oh yeah, it, like like I'm such Wedge, a, I squealed like, too. Like like such a rebels guy. I was like, I'm I'm watching this montage and I'm like I'm listening to it. And I'm like, okay, I hear, I hear Anakin. I hear I hear Hayden Christensen straight up. I hear Luke. I hear Yoda, and then I hear Kanan Jarrus. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, mine was a Ahsoka. People just looked at me and went, well, "Who the fuck are you?" Uh, my uh, Ahsoka Jeff and Jeff was sitting with me and he was just like he would he was saying names and I was trying to say names and then I heard her voice and I was like, "Oh, done." Right. Oh, I don't even. And someone's upset that they killed her. It's like, dude, she's old as crap now. Like, let it be. <laughs> is Maybe she, is she dead? She could be first projecting. Who knows? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we don't. I mean, I mean, apparently you can FaceTime. So why not? I mean, I mean, Rebels did give us that world in between worlds place where you know you can go anywhere. So that's the one thing about Rebels. If you haven't like that show again, not to shamelessly plug the the, the recall that we might be doing, <laughs> but that show uh, really introduces mysticism into Star Wars in a way that makes it. Uh, let me rephrase it. It introduces fantasy into Star Wars in a way that makes it really work. Yeah, I have wholeheartedly agree. And then, then of course, I got to see the ghost, and I was happy the ghost survives and shoots things and. Got hit by force lightning. I was a little worried. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and somebody said the shadow caster. The shadow caster is there, and so is the Colossus from Resistance. Oh, that's fantastic. In 16 hours, he got basically the whole universe to come fight. I don't know how. Whatever. <laughs> it's Lando. Yeah, I was about he to knows say. everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can see that hair would come for him. Well, the, the Razor Crest was not in there, right? No. I didn't no. see the Razor Crest. No. I'm glad there's no Mando tie to that. I, I think it's important that there's a separate line I, between I think the only little... tie was the healing. Yeah, the force healing. The force well, healing. and we know that's why Wednesday happened. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah so, so I mean, it was 100% like, hey, guys, just letting you know this is canon. <laughs> oh, I, also, just, I was just, also like the... Um, but it's in the video games. In the RPGs. Get, yeah, in everything. I, I was it just, is canon. I thought she was going to talk to the snake like Ezra did. 
You know, oh Ezra, yeah, sure. I was like, oh, she's gonna pull an Ezra because Ezra Bridger is the Doctor Doolittle of Jedi. Yep. And so he gets yep. his, he's like, I need an animal to talk to. Woo! Gets yep. this very Disney kid thing. Go talk to the animals, and that's yep. what he does. But it works. Did um, you? Did the snake slightly remind you of the snake guy from uh, Dreamscape? By the way, no, the snake really just reminded me of a giant penis that she kneels in front of. Um, it reminded me <laughs> of the it. snake from Conan the Barbarian. There you go. Oh yeah, that's uh, Edward. J- uh, what's his name? Uh, James, voice, yeah, James, yeah, Jones. Yeah. James Jones. I'm saying Edward James Olmos. What happened there? Because <laughs> you said frack earlier. <laughs> Well, I was trying not to curse. So, uh, I, I, overall, you know, if, I, if I'm rating this, I do three out of five on this because I, I enjoyed it enough. It's my only problem is it's really it's a mess story wise and a merry mess pacing, but it's fun as hell. So I'm okay with it. I'm sitting at a four out of five only because it's Finn first viewing. It could shift down or up. You five out of five. Oh, easily. Look at He's a big Solved all the issues. Was fun. I was engaged from front to back. Just loved it. How uh, can I ask? I'll ask it off the air. <laughs> no, you can't ask it. Ask it now. Or- I just want to know. I didn't see it with people. What was the experience like seeing it with people? Where did you get big cheers and jeers? And it was very low key. We out of all all my viewings of Star Wars at, and, on, and on our first night, our preview night, uh, we were packed, but it was the lowest amount of excitement. So we got like I think the biggest woo out of the whole thing was Leia's lightsaber. Was like wow, interesting. Right. Chewie's the Chewie's fake out death kind of got a little bit, but it wasn't a lot. Um, I cheered at like all the points, but it's like, and there was this one other guy who was like really loud about it. It was like two of us, and we were kind of embarrassed. And so I was like, all right, guess no one really cares anymore. And so yeah. I mean, it kind of felt that way. Well, there was a huge round of applause from the whole audience at the IMAX in Pensacola this morning. Holy yeah. smokes. Everybody there was clapping, which doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So I want to see an IMAX Everybody, next. it was really good in IMAX. It see, was, no wonder you got to see, the IMAX may, may actually pull another star on it. We, yeah. all, we all we always drive over there when these premiere, and Mobile's never going to get a real IMAX, I suppose. But um, No, we're trying. We've been working on it forever. <laughs> But but it really changes the experience, and uh, the three of us, um, I think there were tears at the same points. There were three or four points. There were definitely the same gasp when the Leia's lightsaber showed up, when Lando showed Which up. Which looks very similar to the one in Dark Horse. So, I mean, they yep. pay attention. It huh? does. It does. Um, and then when Kylo died. Yeah, sure. there was a big, a big reaction. I, I, I've heard that. I've heard people have a big reaction. I was just mad about that. I was just mad. Yeah, Jess was really mad about it, too. She loves Kylo, and she was hoping it would be the other way around. I like, <laughs> I like Kylo, and I like like Hux. I, uh, Hux's death is wasted. I like Hux being the traitor, and I like the reason why he's a traitor. Oh, I lo- I, look, you go, watch, it, watch him in, in Force Awakens. He's like little Hitler, right? and then he's a bumbling idiot. He's like obviously like third or fourth. He's been demoted, which I think is great. He's like way down the line now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's springtime for Hitler in, in he's Last Hogan's Jedi. He's Hogan's hero. Yeah, there you go. Last Hogan's Jedi. heroes right. in Last Jedi. It's bad. Yeah. And then he's pretty decent in this again. Like He's back to something else, and well, it's just- challenging Kylo, and he pays for it, but- just I think a little. Too, I also like the 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 what is the pride one? pride or price or it's something. I thought it was pride. I, I thought it was pride. Yeah. Yeah, because we have a price already. But I, but I, I love I price. love the um, I love when he's talking to the emperor. He's like, and I love the line. I served you in the last war. Also, oh, lo- I'm all in. Oh, so, <laughs> come on, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm like I'm there. I mean, you had the whole look of an imperial officer. <laughs> Absolutely like, all yeah. in. Oh, so good, so good. So, I'm gonna see it. I think I'm seeing it Sunday in IMAX. Josh hasn't I'm, seen it yet. I, I, I'm in the IMAX game now. I want to go do that. That's a big Sunday. deal. I think we're going to see it Sunday. I'll yeah. let you know. Did you? Do they have reserve seats? Yeah, there's reserve seats. Thank so God. I don't. I don't do theaters spots. without it now. I won't waste my time. Getting there early. Yeah, you just walk in and sit down and enjoy it. 
That's what it's supposed to and be. And they do it really well over there. That's yeah. a good experience. Cool. We'll have to go to check it out. All right. So finish, uh, So uh, I think we're done with the last... Uh, the oh, We're definitely done with the last Jedi, but the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> we will cover this more on... Um, and even more in depth in the next episode of My Star Wars Live, because we'll have J.D. get on this with us, too. Who's seeing it right now. Who's seeing it right now. So uh, you both are more welcome to come back to talk more about it if you'd like to. Um Especially with him, because I know he's going to love it, and so his his he's going to have a really strong, I think, a really strong fanboy perspective, which is going to be fun. Because I mean, JD sees everything in this magical light and stuff. Because he doesn't have like the filmmaking background or anything. But that's how you should see movies. <sighs> I agree. Uh, but you but do you read comics that way? Oh yeah. Can so, you turn it off? Absolutely. I can't turn, turn it, it off. Turn God, it off. You're it's hard, blessed. It's hard. Seriously, it's a blessing if a, you can do that. A terrible comic is a terrible comic. Right. But I can still enjoy the comics of my youth, which some of them are pretty awful. Right, right. I but just you. the joy that comes from those oh, books. No, no, we can look at especially bad films. And, and well, that's what we do. That's what we do. We're so about to do it again here, yeah. talking about a movie that I like that he hates. I just have a little bit of trivia for the, we're going back to the Mandalorian to finish this out. Uh, since we've left the Phantom Zone. Phantom Free Zone. Phantom Free Zone. Not the Phantom Zone. That's Superman. You, you cannot escape the Phantom Zones, Scotty. We'd all be on a 2D plate of glass spinning <laughs> oh, through 1979. That's awesome. I'm all in. <laughs> Wearing plastic uh, trash bag suits. <laughs> uh, I, so uh, I mentioned that uh, Paz Vizsla is um, voiced by John Favreau. Uh, f- uh, he also voiced Pre Vizsla on the Clone Wars, uh, which was a member of the terror group Death Watch. Which is also uh, uh, House Ren, where Sabine's family's from, too. They're all Death Watch. I didn't know that part. Uh, the Cuso at the bar uses the Hutti curse, Ichuta, which was first uttered by the Protocol Droid on Bespin. It was also an interesting card for Decipher. Very interesting <laughs> you, you, could, you, could, you, could, you could shut off 3PO with it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, on, on in Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. The Mandalorian receives his reward in a Camtono. Which is the same shape as the infamous ice cream maker carried by Will Road Hood on Cloud City in episode. <laughs> and it's totally an ice cream maker. The Cloud City engineer in decipher terms. Yes, yeah. And, and, um, and if you go to conventions now, you can see the running of the hoods. There's people who cosplay him and carry ice cream makers, and they do a <laughs> run around, especially at Celebration. And this year at Celebration, it was really, really funny because they had somebody who cosplayed as the ice cream maker and carried a doll version of Will <laughs> So <laughs> good. I've got pictures. I'll post them. And <laughs> so... It was it was awesome. Uh, the Mandalorian receives a new cor- uh, chorus uh, for his armor, uh, which is called the Halas in Mando, uh, Mandoa, which is I guess Nelson's <laughs> Nelson Mandoa. Uh, Free <laughs> Nelson Mandoa. <laughs> uh, also, love Apaldron, the best Mamar, uh, two wrist gauntlets, the Kamork, which I guess Atreyu fought and. <laughs> <laughs> never ending story and uh, <laughs> and more other stuff to protect his thighs so that's the pieces that he got that was all famous and stuff so that was episode three chapter three um the sin overall i thought it was a good episode it's solid yeah, I, solid I, it's all we we we're praising deborah child i even like the i mean it really act three is john wick i mean really just turns into john wick she's a beast man she is she's a hundred percent beast love her work i'm thrilled that she's attached to this project so and we'll see more of her this uh, this season. At least two more episodes, right? One more episode. One yes. more episode. One more episode. Episode yeah. seven, correct? Seven, 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 seven which is yeah. ju- just out now, which is amazing. We'll talk about it. Anything else, guys? You want to add? I'm I'm just grateful to have the Mandalorian. Honestly, it's almost it's, gone. It's, We're about you know, I'm about, yeah, about to leave. But it's a great rewatcher too. It really, it bizarrely is it really is. good. The 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 length comes back to be a blessing it is. because they're like little snippets of leaving you just wanting a little bit more. I love it. 
I'm I'm thrilled with it. I can, you know I'm looking forward to it. And uh, you know this just gives us a little more time. February can we get Clone Wars? That's true. And so which I'm really excited about because Maul's in it and um, they motion capped Ray Park to do it. So the fight scenes are like Ray Park is fighting stuff. And I'm like, all right, I'm in, I'm in. And then yep. Sam, Sam Wentworth's doing the voice again. So I'm like, oh, this is the perfect Maul. Yeah. So I just, so if we get a Maul and Vader. So is I'm this going to set up Maul being like taking over the, what is the the son? The Crimson Dawn. Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Dawn. So uh, he should already have charge of Crimson Dawn by now. Yeah. Uh, it's because Crimson Dawn is uh, a com- combo of two. It's the... Um, uh, the Black Sun and the um, Crimson something. Crimson Garden? No. <laughs> Cobra! Yep. <laughs> I thought it brings some G.I. Joe back for you. <laughs> um, but anyway, they're, they're, it, he takes over two or three different organizations, and that's how he makes Crimson Oh, Dawn. got it. So, but the main the main core is Black Sun, which he took over in Clone Wars. Yep. And the, this is the reason why, the, it's the reason why Palpatine doesn't kill him. Right. And because you know, they, I don't know. Have you seen any Clone Wars? No. There's a there's a whole sequence of him Savage like they take over Mandalore and they're like in charge of Mandalore and then Palpatine shows up, beats the ever living crap out of them. Oh, it's a great fight. <laughs> and too. It's a great fight, and he kills Savage. Spoiler alert, because it's a ten year old show. And then he, he um, Pal, uh, Maul bleeds for his life, and Palpatine's like, I got plans for you. And so, and and then we don't know what happens. And then the only Dark Horse book that's canon is the um, the Death Watch going to rescue him. Because it was supposed to be an episode, they just Clone Wars got canceled before they could tell the story. So I think we're going to get part of that, and I think we're going to get um, at least the opening of the Ahsoka book, where Ahsoka goes after Maul on Mandalore, because that's the Ahsoka novel, the first part yeah. of it's right forward. Or that's where, that's where she's at during Order sixty six. Interesting. Yeah, she's she, you know she's fought Maul, and yeah, Rex is with her, and that's when they take out their chips, and they all fake their deaths and move on their separate ways. The Incredible. Ahsoka, the Ahsoka book's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So. So if you're a fan of her, I definitely recommend. Definitely it. a fan. All right. Well, then we will see y'all next week for uh, episode four, the Sanctuary. I believe. I think that's what it's called. That's it. That's it. Which is my favorite episode so far, and it seems like it seems like everyone's least favorite episode. So it's like I can't wait to discuss and defend this one. <laughs> there's there's ATSTs, and it's awesome. Next week, Scotty goes on trial <laughs> in the this criminal is, justice system, in the Mandalore justice system. This is Scotty saying this is our contribution to the multiverse. Go out and make yours. Go us out. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I have spoken. Thank you for listening to the Mobcast Network.